Hello and welcome to the Mournable Podcast, a Horace Heresy podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 29. Uh, today we're going to be talking about, what one are we talking about? Flight of the Eisenstein. Eisenstein? Is that right? Yeah, Eisenstein. Yeah, the first part of the Garrow storyline. Yeah, read along with Keith. Um, I, t- today I'm joined by Mike. All right. And uh, Lyle. Yep. We, we really do need to get a fourth chair. We're, we're more, more of all four, but there's only three of us. This this was a plot point for the actual more of Actually, no, there was only two of them, weren't there? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have to kill one of us off. Well, at the, mo- at the moment, it looks like it's going to be you, Lyle, because both me and Mike could do the technical stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't do it without me. <laughs> but he's the brains of the outfit, so... Yeah, I was going just... I would speculate that Mike hasn't read the book for this read-along, so he's teetering on the edge. Yeah. I yeah. am useless in this one. <laughs> in my defence, I did read it last year when we were first talking about doing it. It's not much of a defence, but I'm sticking by it. Well, I, I would say, and this is probably true of, of most people, that, that the first four have probably, we've all read them the most. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've only read, like, the first... Six, so yeah. <laughs> I think talking so, to a lot of other people as well, it's quite common for people to have read the first three, maybe the fourth, and then after that they tend to read the ones that are either interesting or about their legion. So I think yeah. after this we should start. Yeah, I've fairly stuck to reading them in order, even when I knew there were some ones that people tend to dislike. And okay. We'll, we'll do this. We'll read a bit. <laughs> <laughs> we'll read Pyphos. It'll be fine. <laughs> All right. Excuse uh, abyss I'm, I'm not looking forward to. I'm looking forward to it just because of how much you've hyped up not looking forward to it. Like I, just, like I don't own the e-book. I'm going to have to pay money for that pile of trash. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually looking forward to it. and I, I'm not going to listen to it or anything like that until we actually get to it so i can actually get the uh the full experience (laughs) (laughs) so you've never you've never read it never listened to it no till now okay yeah cool yeah everyone's telling me how bad it is so i've never seen the the point in it i I think it's overdone how bad it is i'm not going to defend it but um Shall we get on to the book that we have actually read? <laughs> yes. yes. Right. So we're going to um, talk about the plot first and then kind of dive into the bits that we like. Do it that way. Yeah, quick run through. Um, Keith, you've done extra homework this time, haven't you? Got some oh. show notes. Have you, have you got like a plot structure in front of you that you want to? <sighs> or should we that just means, like yeah that, that means i've got to read and i'm terrible at reading that's why i don't do that shit <laughs> that's why we do these segments yeah okay fair <laughs> all right well i guess like act one of the book we start off we meet garrow and the like, seventh battle company typhon and, and grogor and some other captains and they're getting ready for the attack on the jorgali is it a Jorgali world ship or, or bottle ship? Or bottle something? Ships. Yeah, 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 that's it. Yeah, it, like some some 
crazy Xenos cyborg bug race uh, that they're there to just purge from all existence. Yeah. Um, I quite like this, actually. I like um, I like Mortarian's introduction. Creepy yeah. motherfucker. Yeah, I, I love how they actually compare him to the Grim Reaper. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's actually he, stated. And how he's like there all the time in the room and no one notices him until yeah. someone, someone notices a death shroud and they're like, oh, wait, that means... And then <laughs> this like, shadow just melts off the wall and becomes the Death Lord. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, bat, like big battle scene to kick us off. Um, the Sisters of Silence are there. Garrow gets in a fight with a weird psycho baby that um, basically like starts reading his mind and, and telling him like everything you believe in is shit and the, the, your empire is about to fall and all this stuff. And he's like, uh-uh, I believe in the imperial truth and it's all fine. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, any thoughts on <laughs> <laughs> Because I thought this was a good introduction to the Death Guard. I love, I love how um, there's there's that big like meeting with all the captains and Mortarian, and then yeah. once he's given them their orders, like Jim Swallow makes a note of saying there's no like brash battle chants or or anything like that. They're just like we're Death Guard. We've been given our orders. Everyone just like leaves to get it done. Like yeah. there's no fucking nonsense with them. Yeah, I mean, uh, kind of a uh, it's weird because normally like. With these books, I get excited for armies. It made me appreciate Death Guard, but it never really made me excited. That they just seemed quite, um, quite drab, like very straightforward. There was no flash to them. Yeah, 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 for sure. I guess if that's your thing, like, I mean, and that definitely is their thing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, nothing to get you excited about this time. I found the. Uh, the introduction, uh, introduction of Grogor, quite annoying. Yeah. <laughs> Go on. Go on. Well, he's very much um, that he's very much the anti-Garrow, literally straight from straight from the off. There was no kind of introduction to why he was anti-Garrow or anything like that. It was just like, you, you I think Garrow's a dick, and that's how he's going to be for the whole book. Yeah. So. Just literally minutes ago before we started recording i was like should we get try and get through the plot before we go into <laughs> yeah character analysis and that's not a dig at you keith that's just to, to preface that what i'm about to say is clearly going off to, off the the routine we i yeah. find that for a lot of the characters here like you know, we meet a lot of side characters um what is it caleb is um garrow's like human yeah um Surf who cleans his weapons and, and, and stuff like that. Like his yeah. character is just I work at the Emperor and I'm here to like teach Garrow that before I die. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um Voyan the Apothecary, he is just like I'm the one that's in the lodge and then there'll be sort sort of a fight about that later, but it won't go anywhere. I have I do have a lot of good things to say about this book by the end, but I find a lot of the characters we meet here, they never really change and they never really uh, develop. And, and Grolgor is probably the best example of that. It's like, oh, I yeah. wonder which way this guy is going to go <laughs> in the heresy. <laughs> it just shows up being a dick. <laughs> I think that's, um, that's one of the like main issues that I have with these first few books 
is there's no kind of ifs or buts what side they're going to go. You know, literally from the off, that Garrow's going to be a good guy, Grohl is a bad guy. Typhon, Typhon, we already know, but there's no kind yeah. of surprise yeah. elements. Yeah. yeah. Well, we've um, said it in the chat, but there's also an element of if you don't recognize the name of the character, they're going to be a good dark guy and they're probably going to die. So don't get attached to them. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, shall we carry on with our, our plot summary? Yeah, yeah. So the next, so from fitting the uh, fighting the, was it Gorgali? Gorgali, Gorgali, yeah, yeah. Whatever way we, after fighting them, they go on to, they get sent to Istaron Three. Yeah. So where, we've literally seen this before, haven't we? Uh, like. In yeah. some cases, we've seen these scenes before in in the original trilogy, or I think they're all in um, Galaxy in Flames, right? In book yeah. three, yeah, yeah. Uh, which I actually quite liked. I liked how you like in Galaxy in Flames, you see it from Soltarvit's view, but from this bit, you see Gary's view where he, he doesn't actually see what's going on. He's at the bottom of the hill. Yeah, um, we we also see the scene uh, with uh, I, I guess it was probably from Loken's point of view where they all meet in uh, Lupercal's court. Yeah, uh, we get that. We get the that battle scene with the war singer. Oh yeah, because he just randomly like Tarvit just finds him with his leg blown off, right? In, yeah. in Galaxy Flames, but obviously we go through that whole that battle scene with Garrow. Here, yeah. leading up to that, don't we? Yeah, it's cool to see it from from the other perspective. It was kind of it's it's always I find it kind of nice when you see things like that the the two angles from two different points of view of the same situation. Mm. So. I thought it's interest. There's an interesting change. So, like, obviously, when we saw that that battle on the on the moon or the the outer planet, whatever it is, Istvan Extremis, right? Yeah, Tarvitz like comes to Garrow's aid. It's all the like honor, brother. Everything's nice and friendly. We see it from uh, Decius's point of view in this, yeah. and he's like, who's this fucking emperor's children prick thinking he's yeah. you know, to help us? You know, <laughs> like, yeah. It really sort of reinforces, I think, that like the divisions that are growing between the legions, as well as like between the Terrans and the. And the the new guys and stuff like that. So yeah, that's kind of... yeah. No, I mean it's it's kind of a it's actually fun to fun to read it that way, and uh, it's kind of nice to to read it when you know what's going to actually happen. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, with this, we Garrow goes to fight the War Singer and whiffs badly and gets like his leg blown off. Um, which ends up getting like I don't think it was mended, but it was getting healed by Fabius Bile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fabius like shows up to yeah, yeah. I I don't remember that from uh, from book three, but yeah, I just find out of all the characters, it just ha so happens to be him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, but they they basically give him a. a, a 
I was going to say a dodgy prosthetic, but it's it's just that it's settling in, isn't it? And this yeah, really this complete like random thing that he had his leg blown off is is what allows Garrow to. Uh... Oh no, it's not just that, is it? Like Mortarian's pretty sure that he can sway him. I was going to say that's the only reason that Garrow doesn't go down to Istvan and and end up getting virus bombed and and all the rest of it. But Mortarian wants to bring him over. Like he he's kind of sees something in him, right? Yeah. And uh, which I find quite interesting that he thinks he can sway him, but Typhon is not sure. So uh, they sent Garrow on to guard a frigate. Is that the right word for him? Yeah, for yeah. They're basically just sort of in. I think they tell him to like pick it the the planet in case anyone tries to escape. And he's like, well, "This yeah. is a bit weird because they don't." seem to have any ships to get away in but okay, yeah whatever <laughs> yeah um so yeah he goes on the eisenstein to be in charge there and typhon puts garrow's mate grogor on with him to make sure that garrow does the right thing but i think basically tells grogor like he's not gonna like kill the bastard right <laughs> like, yeah yeah well that that's it we all know what's what grogor's situation is with Garrow, it's like he's going to be there and he's going to try and kill him. And then we get the the next scene that is in book three, where Garrow goes to shoot down Soltarvit's um, Thunderhawk. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So they 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 get on the Eisenstein. They're like touring the bridge and all that. Grogor says, "I'm going off to do something that's definitely not suspicious." <laughs> um, I think Garrow sends like Caleb off to to do a bit of spying on him. Right. Yeah, have they? They haven't worked out yet what's going on. They haven't heard back from because they're unloading virus canisters onto the Eisenstein, aren't they? Um, yeah. Uh, but while they're touring the bridge, they get the the message from Saul that we that we saw in uh, Galaxy in Flames, and he has to make the decision whether to shoot him down or not. Yeah, which obviously he doesn't. But... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So. What I, what I do like about all these scenes, and then and then subsequently to that, like uh, that's the end of Act One, by the way, is just like he shoots down the 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 fighters that are trying to take down the the Thunderhawk, and and Saul disappears. Uh, but we Act Two sort of picks up straight away from that that same position. Um, yeah, and we get like the fight between Grogor's men and um, Garrow's men, and. Uh, uh, I do like the sort of tension on the Eisenstein um, where some of his own Astartes, some of the bridge crew, their loyalties are really kind of tested. Like, yeah, you, I think for the, this is the best example at Isfan 3 of people not sure which way they're going to fall or necessarily what's going on, who to trust. Yeah, I mean, I think at the start of this, we mentioned about the like the bit part characters. But I think this is the first one where um, the bit part characters, you are not sure what side they're actually going to go on. That's um, true. Yeah, yeah. All the others, like the other the other books, it kind of, they're, they're very much, this is what side they're on, this is what side they're on, right from the off. I think as well, like you very, in the first three books, you don't, there's not a lot of just like line Astartes who are like named characters or they're just... Yeah. Know, like they're there because they're going to die in this battle scene or something. They're just red shirts, right? Like, yeah. But yeah. actually, like, like everyone in Garrow's command squad, they're not 
greatly fleshed out characters, but they are all characters and you get a sense yeah. that they're, they're different people and, and you wonder which way they might go. Um, I suggested in our group chat, I would have quite liked if instead of Grogor being just a rival captain, if he was someone under Garrow's command, that yeah. Tyrone had been like stoking his ambition to get him to, to, to seize control of the seventh company. And then people's yeah. loyalties would be tested between like that division. Uh, that would have been quite cool, but yeah. Um, Cause it's a bit weird. Like this tight, like a frigate is a tiny ship in the, in the scheme of things. They're like, we're going to send two of our seven, like yeah. <laughs> to, to hold this one ship. It's a, uh, but not only two, like two random captains. He's like the seventh company, which is an important company, and Grob, the second company, which is, is also, which is also yeah. a quite pointy point. They they make a point of saying yeah. those two have their own specific like honorific yeah. titles, right? That they're battle company, battle captain, and I think commander. Yeah, where all the others are just like captain of the third, fourth, fifth, like. Yeah. yeah, I found it weird that it was uh, it was like the the two highest ranking other than being first captain. Yeah, look, here's here's the thing. I think that a lot of the stuff at the start of this book is very convenient. There's a lot of people in lodges who wander around just holding their lodge medals so that they can get found out, or you know, like yeah, little bits and pieces like that. I, I think just a little bit more subtlety uh, really would have brought out the 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 good um, tension of, of, of these particular scenes, like which way are people going to go? Because it's done pretty well, but I think without a few more obvious things like that, this could have been really awesome. Yeah. Uh, uh, where are we up to? Um, they have a big fight in, in the, in the hangar. They, they accidentally released the fucking life. Eater <laughs> <on them. laughs> As you do. Um, yeah. 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 And I think at this point, like Garrow, because Caleb gets killed in the fight, right? But he, yeah. he he starts like, I think he's already, there's been like murmurings with Garrow. He's like, oh, I think he might be in this weird cult about the emperor. <laughs> that's, this is sort of like the moment where, where Garrow starts to question all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, and really, this is going to be Garrow's like main arc, as well as like physically leading the the escape to um get the wall into terror like as a character his thing is is coming to terms with being like the first space marine in the in the cult yeah of the yeah. yeah i mean it, it's weird mike wasn't looking forward to reading this book but i think when i read it i actually enjoyed the actual uh turmoil that garrow goes through mm. between the the Shally Shanti is it against the 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 Imperium to actually worship the Emperor as a god, and it, it, I actually quite enjoyed. He starts, yeah, he starts to find himself like thinking or saying little phrases, and then he's like, "Well, that's a bit religious. That's a bit. That's just yeah, idolatry. That's that's against what I believe." It, yeah, it, it, it I find it compelling. It, I think some of the earlier scenes he, he's a little bit too quick to jump on it i think yeah. it was, i think especially because um quite we're coming up to the point where basically the refugees from the vengeful spirit arrive yeah 
and I was like, "Oh, good! I act and Cruise is in it. We've got some like proper characters here now." Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think Kayla, like you were saying, you find her quite annoying in this book. Yeah, I, I find her very too sort of saintly. Mm-hmm. If you think about like the the whole scheme of it. She, it's probably only about a year to two that all of a sudden she's become this saint. Yeah. And all of a sudden she, she can do, she's so into it is, I find it a little bit too cringy. Is the right word? Yeah. 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 She's, she's almost like too perfect in that role. Yeah. 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 Um, The point I was going to make, like, I think I agree with you there. The point I was going to make is like, Maybe Garrow finds Caleb's pamphlets and he's a little bit unsure about things and he's like, oh, could there be a religion? Um, and then he's like, no, fuck that. Imperial truth, this is what I mean. And then as things get worse and worse and worse, the betrayal, um, like the fight with the demons as they escape, yeah. which we'll get onto, uh, I think then Keela could have been a good vehicle to push the faith on him. Which she yeah. does, but I think he's already like primed just out of like, yeah. like his servant read like the Bible once, you know, like it's yeah. a bit weird. <laughs> yeah, he he does seem to uh, turn quite uh, quite quickly. Mm. But I suppose like maybe a lot of Space Marines do in these early books. Like you think how quickly once Horus falls, a lot of these characters very, very quickly fall into line as like just more and more into that shit. So maybe it's a nice counterbalance to that. Yeah. I, I quite like, so as well as like Keela showing up, obviously Cruz shows up and I quite like the relationship between them two where Cruz almost, although he's an outsider, he almost becomes like the number two on the ship. He becomes Garrow's yeah. lieutenant in a way, doesn't he? Yeah. I, I really like Cruz and I think this book kind of, it, I feel this book makes him into like a, a lead character. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where everything else is kind of like just a bit part. It's all of a sudden after this book, you actually know who Yachton Cruz is. Yes. Yeah. He really comes to the fore in this one. And again, like I was a bit sarky, you know, because I said uh, the characters we meet are all quite one note when I was like, oh, Cruz is here. Good, a character. Um, <laughs> actually, that just speaks to, to how well he's come along as a character in this book. And, and like a lot of the yeah. scenes he's in, I think he really drives the, the conversation. And you, you, you see him, because obviously, he, you know, as the half herd, he'd become a bit of a joke yeah. in the sun for us. But I act in Cruz, the, the lunar wolf who's, who's going to go on to become this knight errant. Like, this is him, I, I guess, rediscovering his purpose, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. He, he even mentions that in the book. It's like he he was just letting the days roll by where now all of a sudden he has this purpose of being the last lunar wolf. Yeah. You know? And he doesn't want his legion to, to kind of be spoiled by what the Sons of Horus are doing. So. Yeah, I, I actually quite like the dynamic because because Garrow's whole thing is like, I guess because he's got these seventy Space Marines with him on the Eisenstein, it's like he he still wants to be able to preserve the name and the honor of the Death Guard. And Cruz yeah. says to him like, "I fear that may be too late for me, son, or whatever." You know? Yeah. 
I thought that was really cool. <laughs> yeah, I just like I, I just liked Cruz in this whole book. I thought he was very much the uh Garrow ends up following Keela for a religious purpose where I feel Cruz ends up following her because it gives him purpose. Yeah, I think yeah, it's a very, it's a very like important distinction. Yeah, it's cool. cool. So, right, um, let's carry on. Well, where are we up yeah. to now? Uh, where are we up to? Um, they're basically about ready to run, aren't they? They they yeah. start. They they want to do it on the sly, but the the comms officer is like, oh shit, like I think this is um, treachery against the war master or whatever. So he slips a, a message to Typhon. Uh, yeah, uh, like I said, that I think like the bit part characters, I found him quite interesting how he all of a sudden's like, no, I'm I'm not following Garrow. Who is this Garrow guy? Right, precisely. But th- this is the this is the Imperium. This is we go all the way back to Cinderman's question to Logan in book one, like if about if like the Astartes just being weapons, and if you saw the yeah. rock, what what would you do about it? Like. These are yeah. very rigid command structures, and it all flows from the Primarch and, and in his role as the son of the Emperor. Like the guy is not yeah. wrong to say yeah. like, that this random fucking chump is taking over a ship and disobeying orders from the War Master, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we know it's the wrong decision because we're like <laughs> yeah. outside this story reading it. But <laughs> from the point of view of his orders, like he's quite right to do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean. It- it's one of the things you don't question your superiors at the time, do you? You follow orders. It, so. Yeah, I mean, if we proper get into like you know uh, ROE and and Geneva Convention and stuff, it, if if he's aware that they're committing the war crime of, of violence <laughs> this planet, yeah. yeah. But the Imperium is not UN peacekeepers, so it's <laughs> a bit of a flawed analogy, right? But yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So awesome. Typhon becomes aware, so he sends the Terminus S to yeah. go over and uh, basically blow him out of the fucking sky. Yeah, yeah. I love how like single-minded he is about this. And he's like, fucking Grog or like, can't do <laughs> anything right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but also he he said he contacts Malagurst to let him know. And yeah. Malagurst is like such a snooty prick to him. It's amazing. <laughs> like, yeah. You start, you see, like, we are the sons of Horus. Like, don't bother me with this shit. Just get it done. <laughs> yeah. So that was, that's kind of interesting already to see that gap. Yeah. It's kind of, it's weird. It's now like the sons of Horus are taking on the, the superior front of the, the whole thing. Where before they, yeah, Horus was the war master, but now the Legion is starting to think they're superior to the rest. Yeah, so, yeah, I think that comes out there definitely. Um, which I, I found I found interesting considering what Typhon's whole situation is with chaos. Yeah, it's hinted at here, isn't it? it yeah, doesn't go deep into his like backstory, but it's I. I th- I think, I think it literally says, like, he and Erebus have been dabbling in shit. You're not yeah. under what it means, but um, it, do, it does just sort of cover vaguely that he's yeah. aware of, of, of mysteries that, that, that for this at the moment, his Primarch and even Horus uh, aren't even aware of. Yeah. 
But I, I just found it interesting. It's, like, I, I felt like Typhon would have got off that call and go, who the fuck does he think he's talking to? <laughs> yeah, oh, big time. Yeah. <laughs> um, these are the early seeds of division between the traitors, really, aren't they? I suppose. Yeah, yeah it is. It's the, kind of the, the first kind of dent. Mm. I think, because... Uh, one of the things I really like about this book, it's all about to go crazy from here. While we're on the subject of Typhon having knowledge of, of chaos and the dark powers and that, right? This is the first time we did see a demon in... Um, well, we've seen a couple of demons in the in the initial trilogy, right? But yeah. this is the first time from this point on when they escape, the Eisenstein makes it out, but having taken a shitload of damage, um, yeah. that I think chaos becomes the... The, the sort of antagonist of the book yeah rather than like the war master's rebellion against the emperor yeah yeah i think to be honest i think this is where the book actually kind of uh takes on a life of its own becomes uh, yes becomes a lot more interesting than a different point of view of the three books that you've just read Yes, yeah, it's been like because I really like the opening, the introduction as well, because that's new. Yeah, then for all that it's interesting to see it from different angles, it's a retreading of um story we've seen. Yeah, uh, I was gonna say exactly the same thing as you the book comes to life when they escape. And um, uh, uh, Jim Swallow actually, there's a few descriptions of the warp in this book that I find fucking great. The way he talks about like different people experiencing the warp in different ways, like to some yeah. navigators, it's like a painting or a or an opera or a or a endlessly yeah. complicated maths equation and stuff like that. I just thought yeah. that was really interesting. And he, he he gives this description. He doesn't say it's Nurgle, right? He just says there's this like intelligence that reaches out a tendril of itself towards the ship and um, reanimates Grogor and his men. Yeah, uh, and these re- they're literally the first plague marines, right? <laughs> yeah, I was literally going to say that it's like the first plague marines are on there. But yeah, it comes an- another fight with Grogor. Yeah, uh, plus like actual demons materializing, right? There's even sort of like things that yeah. describe like uh, like screamers of Zinch and stuff. So it's not yeah. just a pure Nurgle thing at first. Like they they're getting boarded by demons, but um, there's sort of plague bearer type things and then Grogor's guys Garrow has this fucking amazing vision of like the men around him as plague marines and then like Mortarion in his demon form which I just thought was really creepy and cool and it's like this is the future of the death guard and he's he's all like flipping out you know <laughs> having these visions but you know like I've said before I, I usually skip over the the bolt upon the action stuff when I'm rereading, like, yeah, there's something interesting that, like, for me, it was something really interesting about all these scenes to actually be like, oh, I'm gonna spend oh, a bit of time on this. I think we, with this thing, because it's the first, it, it's the first ever scene in these books of the actual demons and chaos marines. Yeah, I think that's what makes it interesting. It's like no one knows what these things are at the moment. Mm-hmm. You know, 
we all know the Chaos Space Marines from 40k and everything like that. So you read them and you know what they are straight away. These yeah. people have no clue what they are. Like one of Garrow's men get injured by Grogor's blade. Yeah. And Garrow just thinks it's some weird disease that he can he needs to find a cure for. It's that naivety of the situation. Yeah. Uh, that yeah, makes very it naive. Because this is the thing, it's, it's something completely new to them, Then, but they're also under no doubt that this is like their reanimate, the reanimated <laughs> corpse of their traitor brothers. So on top of the shock of, of the betrayal at Istvan, <clears throat> the whole premise of the Imperial Truth is now falling down. Like, yeah. oh, shit, like, there are demons, there is magic, right? So I, this really is, I guess, how Garrow comes to the faith, right? Like, yeah, if you I think about how shocking all this is to him. Maybe it's no surprise that he's just like, oh, I guess I'll just believe in God now. Yeah. So that I, I was literally just going to say that it's no surprise that he goes to lean towards the emperor. And I don't think it's the religious aspect of the emperor. I think it's more the fact is that is the one stability that he still has is his faith in the emperor. So why not go full on board to worship him that way? Mm-hmm. yeah for sure and it's like faith that they'll somehow get through this situation as well right like those two yeah. things kind of tie together in his mind that if i just believe that i'll see terror again and the emperor will kind of provide me the way of doing that then uh, yeah because at the end of this fight they basically do an emergency translation from the warp yeah the navigator's dead all of his like assistants are dead. The, the ship is fucked, and they're just like stranded in the middle of, of, of nowhere. They calculate that it's going to take like I don't know how many thousands of years to drift back into yeah. Imperial space, right? Like you're fucked. Yeah, yeah. They're just kind of a, a nice bit of driftwood. Yeah. But this is where Garrow comes up with his uh, crazy but genius plan of doing a flare in the warp. Yeah. By ejecting literally everything. Every, every... Yeah, this is, <laughs> I think this is really cool, but it's another one of those like, oh, that was convenient that these Imperial Gothic star cruisers can be built to just jettison the warp drive and blow it up. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, I, it's a good idea. It's just being able to all some jets and your whole engine is a little bit weird. You can't yeah. really do that in a car, can you? So yeah. <laughs> this is one of those points you find out where Jim Swallow is actually a Star Trek author as well. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Ex- yeah. It sounds very Star Trek. It doesn't sound very Warhammer. That I think that's my my thing with it. Like, because the, these engines, in some depictions, these engines are lit. They've literally still got like slaves shoveling coal into stuff, haven't they? <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh dear. But yeah, I mean, it is a mad but genius plan. And Voyan, the apothecary, actually tries to, he's like, he's had enough. He's like, I'm going to fucking shoot you if you give this order. Yeah, I love that scene where it's kind of very much the the bloke that doesn't, he's unsure about believing in Garrow, believing Garrow's theory. Mm-hmm. And he finally stands up and it's just like, Garrow just stands there with a gun pointing in his face. It's like, Go and do it. If you don't believe me, do it. 
it, it's very much like it's interesting afterwards that he i think he has a conversation with cruz i want to say it's cruz it should be cruz even yeah. if it's not where he's like i really wasn't sure about that but <laughs> <laughs> I, I had to front like i was i had a hundred percent faith that this would work yeah. um, just just so that everyone else has something to believe in and i think yeah. that that's kind of cool to to First of all, to see Garrow wrestling with those ideas. Uh, and secondly, that Cruz is, is kind of the one person he can confide that in. Yeah. I love, I do enjoy that whole scene with Roy and a uh, bit of doubt in in his captain, which um, later on in the book, you, he realises he shouldn't do. So. Yeah. yeah. But I, again, like the, the shit that all of these characters have been through, like... Garrow kind of has that grounding, like we said. Like he's developing this faith in the in the emperor. What do any of the rest of them have to believe in anymore? Horus has, yeah. Horus has betrayed them. Their Primarch, their brothers have betrayed them. Literal demons exist and have <laughs> tried to kill them. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, I don't know quite how far I would trust Garrow with his like. We're just going to blow up our engines in space and and hope someone sees it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but someone does go and see it, and if you want anyone to come and help you, it is probably not the Imperial Fist that you want. But <laughs> the Imperial Fist turn up uh, along with Rogel Dawn leading the way. So yeah, this is this is what, like the 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 old like the last bit of Act Two, uh, and yeah. it's about three quarters of the way through the book. Like the, the last act's relatively short. Um, I think there's really great tension here. When like obviously we know because we know that Gara gets the message to Terra. We know that he has a, a sort of part to play in the heresy. We know it's not going to be Horus finding them, but it, it's still fairly tense. I think when they're like, someone's yeah. found us. We can't like the Orspex is so fucked that we've no idea who they are. Um, but they're yeah. getting ready to board. Um, and Garrow's getting them all ready to make a last stand if it is Horus who's chased them down. I, I thought yep. this was like quite a, a really good way to, to wrap up the act uh, yeah. in the middle of this book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got about that a whole bit of a not sure who it was. Mm. Um, I, I think cause they tried. They tried to, uh, like Jim Swallow tries to make you think it's the vengeful spirit like he's describing yeah. this massive fucking ship and, and the vengeful spirit is like, earlier on we've seen it described in in similar terms but obviously yeah. it's phalanx and it's like 20 times the size of the <laughs> vengeful spirit or whatever that fucking thing is yeah but yeah um they the imperial fists put a landing party on and yeah dawn is the one who's confronts garrett and i i think this like i feel this bit the next bit of the book could have been so boring if it wasn't done properly or well. The whole, just a conversation with Rogel Dawn. <laughs> so, um, which, on, on my, when I first read it, I didn't actually like the whole, the whole thing with Dawn. I thought it was kind of a little bit, yeah, boring and naff. Dawn has a reputation as, obviously, as the boring one, right? Like, that's yeah. kind of his character. In many ways, I I've often said about this scene, it's like the the it's the first time you ever see him emote in any way. Yeah. Um, and boy, does he emote! <laughs> <laughs> I was I was kind of on the 
this latest read through, I was kind of looking at it and it's like, he's just taking it all in. It's like, how would you act, act if some random bloke comes up and tells you everything that you understand of your brother is just a complete lie? Yeah. I mean, yeah. You, you would sit there, not say a word, let him spill it out, and then deck the cunt. Yeah. He's got this mad story about how they got there and all these, and he keeps mumbling things about faith and gods. And yeah, because <laughs> Gar- Garrow, learn when to shut up about that stuff, mate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is not helping right now. Uh, but it's tied in really well. I had completely forgotten that when the massacre of the Remembrancers took place on the Vengeful Spirit, Kayla was yeah. like, we need to go there because we need to see it, right? Yeah. And this this is entirely it. Like, he, I, I'm not... Yeah. Dawn has an element of doubt because Cruz says to him, if you, if, if you um, completely distrusted us, you would have killed us already. So he yeah. does have that element out but when kayla just walks in and uses her fucking jedi mind tricks on um the guard on the door that mercedes Ollerton has recorded horace's like evil villain speech and the and the massacre and the virus bombing as proof to bring yeah so i'd completely forgotten how important that tie-in was from book three i kind of forgot as well when he's to be honest i didn't even really think about that until like i read it in the book and i'm like oh yeah i remember that didn't realize yeah how important it was um until you've just said that i I always forget that that happens as well i'm always just like dawn nearly kills garrow and then i guess he just believes him but yeah it's it's the visual proof that yeah brings him around yeah Yeah. Um, dawn goes off and and sulks for a, a week yeah (laughs) <laughs> as any good person would <laughs> yeah i mean he's he's just raging and they make the point that unlike some other primarchs like and some other legions like it's important to them to have that stone facade right like, yeah he is he is raging but he he doesn't want to do that in front of his officers his sons and, and yeah that's right yeah I mean, how I dread to think what state that room would be in when you go yeah. back somewhere like a Primark, just frying everything around. Do you reckon? <laughs> do you reckon Dawn would do like a like a proper emo tantrum? I, I, I know some Primarchs would. Do you reckon he would tear the shit out of that room? I, I reckon he would. I reckon because yeah. it because he is so kind of rigid and stone, just a rigid character. He wouldn't actually know what to do with that emotion. Yeah, other you're right. Just, yeah. Other than just destroy stuff. Yeah. Yeah, when he once he breaks, right? It's like uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So. <laughs> <laughs> so he wrecks the shit out of his bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> um, throws Teddy in the corner. Throws Teddy in the corner. Um and sends <laughs> off like half of his fleet to um ostensibly i think he says like and there's a great line at the end of that chapter where he's, he he sends off the fleet and says like tells them to find the truth of what's happened and sigismund says it's like what do i what do i like do if it is all true and he's like tell my brother rogel's coming for him or some shit yeah. that, that was pretty good that was pretty good i just find it funny he's like he he sends them off basically because he, he just wants to see it through his own eyes um, yeah 
Yeah. So he he can't go because he's got Garrow to take back to to Terra. And so, his orders are to return to Terra as well. Yeah. Right? Um, like, but I guess like. On a demands, he do so. Yeah. Well, yeah. So he's 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 sent off to Gizmond to uh, to basically beat his eyes and returns to uh, returns to Terra, or so Garrow thinks he's returning to yeah. Terra. Because they end up instead on Luna. Yeah. The uh, in the custody of the Silent Sisterhood, and they're basically like. <sighs> We've come all this way and they just think we're twats. Like, <laughs> yeah. we're never going to get there. <laughs> it um, must, be, must be hard because he can li- probably literally see Terra out his uh, window. He, right, they, he does. And I, I have a question. Did, do you find it really jarring that the Terra that is described that he sees is our Terra? Like, it has oceans and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's not like the irradiated age of strife wasteland that the emperor is building back up. He he does. I wish I had it in front of me, but he does like describe the coastlines and the and, and yeah. stuff like that. Like, uh, that feels a bit weird. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. yeah. So on that, that note, I noticed something reading this, and it's only because we've been doing the read-alongs, right? And I'm yeah. not saying this to, to be one of your, like, oh, actually, like, super geeks. Uh, the reason I bring this up is to show how difficult the job of all these authors writing these books are. There's, like, a continuity error when, in the Dawn stuff where um, Cruz talks about Loken. And uh, yeah. Dawn turns to Sigismund and says, like, oh, do you know this guy? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, like he gives, like, <laughs> like, a good rep for Dawn. Yeah. You guys remember, we've met the podcast in Horus Rising of saying that Dawn, not only does he meet Loken, but he lobbied for Loken to be on the Mournavel. I did actually think about that when um, when that part came up. I'm like, Dawn should remember him, but it's... Yeah, yeah. Like I say, the, the reason I bring that up is to illustrate what a tough job it is to to maintain, like, continuity through these 56 books or whatever, like, oh, tricky, tricky stuff for these people. Like, I think we, we've said this before. I think the first like part of this these books they didn't realize how far it would go so there was no actual plan of how things would like where it, everything should be placed so, yeah um, yeah this is why sigismund is in charge of the fleet but he ends up on terror yeah and they, there's like an explanation for that that comes later but it, it yeah these things kind of develop as the series did yeah yeah but yeah back to uh Back to Luna and uh, being babysat by the Sisters of Silence. We're, more, we're at the end of the tale, really, here, aren't we? Um, yeah, I mean, it's just... Uh, we've just got another incursion with the demons. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so fucking poor Desia. So I don't, really, I don't really have an opinion of this character. He was just, like, the young guy in the command squad. But he's yeah. the one with the, with the wound from Grogor's, like, plague knife. Garrow's been like keeping him alive as again it's it's another one of these sort of articles of faith like if I can save this kid then it's all worth it uh, but he and again this I think this was another really great scene where he he basically finally gives in yeah um, and he has like the voice of Nurgle like offering him 
an end to the, the being ravaged by these viruses and, and the pain and all that. And, and the thing of like, Garrow put you here, your brothers betrayed you, your captain betrayed you. Like you see that like creepy yeah. whisper of how chaos gets in. Yeah. Yeah. That, that I think that whole thing was, uh, was actually quite good. Yeah. More how chaos manipulated him more mm-hmm. than the actual thing. Cause it, all that ends up happening is there's, there's another fault upon fight scene with Garrow and the uh, the sisters and the demons. Yeah, yeah, and it ends in like a one-on-one fight, you know, boss fight from an action movie on yeah. the surface of the moon, which you know is is all is fine. It's it's, it's fine. Garrow, Garrow's sword, like his sword, slides across the gantry like a gun usually does at the end of those movies, but he yeah. finally just to get it and stab the demon, and and that's it. The hero wins. Like <laughs> it's a classic story. We've seen it. Yeah. Before. <laughs> The only thing that I keep thinking of is, bro, this bloke can half move well with only one leg. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know the other thing that's weird here? Was it not properly established by Book 4 what the Silent Sisterhood were? Because, like, they are like shit. They're constantly getting killed by psychic demons, uh, uh, psychic (laughs) xenos and demons in this book. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, um, like people feel a bit uneasy around them, but it, you really that that you have to wait for later on to to see the the silent sisterhood for what they they are, uh, which is yeah. a bit of a shame. But yeah, literally we're on the the last bit where uh, after the big boss fight, I think Gary's like passed out in the middle of the moon's surface, and then he wakes up and some old blokes talking to him yeah <laughs> and then all of a sudden he realizes that uh this will become a theme in Garrow's <laughs> storyline <laughs> uh, yeah malkador the sigilite is there just randomly having a chat yeah um, basically signing up him uh crews to become the first inquisitors yeah, so I mean, he, 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 I think he uses the phrase, I need men and women of an inquisitorial nature, right? Yeah. It's pretty signposted as this is the start of the Inquisition, although the idea then of the Knight Serent is developed after the book. But um, yeah. yeah, I actually really love this scene. Um, and I think, is it, does it actually say it's Valdor with him or is it just implied? There's a custodian with him in any case. Yeah. Right? And at first he's like, yeah, the Emperor's too busy to see you. And he's like, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> like, no, no, you don't get it. He's too fucking busy. You talk to me. <laughs> so, I mean, I do find it funny. Is someone of Garrow who is just a captain in one of many of legions or something he can demand to go and see the Emperor? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's... It... This religious stuff's getting him a bit like hoity-toity, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> if we, it's like the same sort of thing of like Michael was undecided in like, I'm going to go up London and I'm going to demand to see the Prime Minister. It's like, who are you get him? <laughs> you're just going to get a bloke to, like, a police officer to chuck you out. That's all yeah. you're going to get. <laughs> At least he got number, like, num- rank number two to come and see him. He's so, rank number two, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, I've always thought this scene is like really cinematic if I 
if I was making the Horus Heresy into a TV show, this would be like the culmination, obviously, of Garrow's arc. It might even be the culmination of season one while we get shots of the end of the, the massacre on uh, Isfan 3. Yeah. Get like yeah, this, no. this whole thing of like we've 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 got to terror Malkador is starting to like organize the fight back just as we see like everyone else getting wiped out and Horus moving on like yeah I think it's I, great like end to the the first chapter of the Horus Heresy. Now you said that I've just got visions of like his speech to Garrow with like. But all what you can see is the explosions and everything like that that's on his Yeah, yeah, yeah. and like, like, like Tarvit's like last moments and Logan yeah. being buried under the rubble and all this shit. And he's like explaining how, you know, this won't stand and, and like what my plan is for you. And yeah. 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 But maybe you should consider a job in directing TV shows. I'll write a screenplay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that's that's basically the wrap up of the storyline yeah that that really is at the end there isn't it and uh, oh like the remembrances get dragged off uh, yeah that's it we don't i hear that you do see them after like another 60 books i think you find out what the deal is with with yeah. taylor but they were just like right we're done with that story now <laughs> which i feel i feel is a shame because i feel they was building them characters up to be quite that they they have potential of being interesting characters, but mm. they are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like Mike Mike like nodding wisely there, like guy who's kept yeah. up with the story. <laughs> For me, those are the characters where they do they put them down, they walk away from them, everybody forgets about them, and then a later book something happens, you're like, who? Oh, that, that is kind of cool, actually. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We were, just before we started recording, we were saying like I've only got about five any books to read, so I should probably finally get on one of my hobby goals for the year and, and catch up with the with the heresy books. Uh, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> Who else is doing anything else in twenty twenty, yeah. right? But like, reading. <laughs> I've been trying to paint, and how hot it is today! It's like literally my paintbrush has like been drying out while I'm. Like before I've even put any paint on a model. Just to get out there, mate. Yeah. Like it's day of the year, like today, I think, and that. Yeah, yeah. Which has been quite nice that I've been at home and not at work, so. That's good. Have we got anything else to say about any of the characters, or I feel like we've mentioned most of them? So I think, like, let's bring Mike in because he's been shirking because he hasn't been reading this book. He missed his homework, so he's been staying out of the discussion here. You had a point about Garrow's character, I think, that you wanted to make. Or, do you want to yeah, tell us a bit before... about your experience of this book? Because you, re- you read this right when you got into the heresy, right? So do you want to tell us a bit about that? Yeah, I think for me, this book, I was just trying to think what colours my covers were. I think it was something like I had bronze, silver, gold, and then this book was gold again. And then it went straight back to bronze. Because this was the book I was reading when I went to uni. And I remember... Back in 2006, standing in a games workshop at my university, arguing with a store member who was telling me how amazing the, the Heresy series is going to be. There's two new books that have just come out. This series is epic. And I'm saying that going, I really liked the first opening trilogy. This book just 
I enjoyed it, but Loken is just Garrow with a different name. And <laughs> yeah, you I mean Garrow is Loken? Kind of, yeah. yeah, and I just sort of I found it disappointing. <laughs> where the there's all this stuff they could have done. Um, it took me a while to get back into it again. I would say he is very Loken-esque. Um, I th- there's actually a character that we completely forgot to talk about who has like a side plot. Like he's the guy who's going to die down on Isfam when they virus bomb it, right? Tem- Ulis Temeter. Yeah. Didn't care about the character at all. And then like when they get virus bombed, it's supposed to be this big like heroic... Him and the Dreadnought have that like that scene in Aliens with Vasquez, right? Yeah. <laughs> Where they're both holding the grenade. <laughs> they sort yeah. of do that with them too. And it's like, I didn't care about them. I think the reason yeah. I didn't care about Temeter is they tried so hard to make his relationship with Garrow just be Loken and Tarek again. Like all their banter is exactly the same and, and that kind of thing. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I don't think, I don't think he was a character that I, that, you missed if he wasn't in the book but i actually ended up i quite enjoyed the character like everyone in this book i feel i i kind of understand what mike is saying where garrow is basically loken in disguise a moustache <laughs> mm-hmm. but i i do feel that towards the end of the book and on my reread of it there is actually quite a different different element to garrow yeah, yeah, yeah. Where I think Loken was completely naive to everything, even I feel like how space marines work. Um, <laughs> where Garrow's just, he doesn't understand how someone could betray. And I think that's the bit that he was fighting with. Yeah, I think, I think Garrow wakes up to it a lot quicker than Loken and Tarek did. Yeah, like Logan Tarek had three books where Garrow had one, so that may just be a, a question of space <laughs> more than anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I, I didn't dislike any of these characters, and we talked about how actually I found it interesting that more Astartes, like you know, just generic troops had a role to play in this yeah. story, which was cool. It wasn't all just like the captains interacting with each other. Um, well, no. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of that still, too, yeah. I think there was um, one character that I I did actually like, and we kind of skipped over when we was doing the, the review, is Caleb. I found him quite interesting that he was a failed aspirant. Mm. Um, and Garrow saw something in him and kept him around instead of basically letting him die. Yeah, I, I, one of the reasons I think that's really cool is um because like Grogor takes the piss out of him for like, like this point this tradition <laughs> yeah. and it it's very much the Terran versus Barbaran divide and and yeah. Mortar Mortarian like purging the weakness from them bit by bit and, and turning the Dusk Raiders into something a bit darker. Yeah. So there's Caleb being there and having this sense of duty to the Legion and Garrow having respect for him despite him failing the the task. Yeah. Uh, the trials to, to be elevated to an Astartes. That 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 speaks to the old humanity that the Dusk Raiders still had. Yeah. I think that's um but I I, I just enjoyed I enjoyed having having a character that can walk around everywhere that wasn't a remembrancer that gets invited. 
Yeah, yeah. So it's still that like human element of being overwhelmed by the size of the space marines, but it wasn't like it, it just wasn't a, a remembrance that's trying to do it. It is someone who is who could have potentially been one of them. The only issue that I have is when it comes to the fight scene. If he had potential to be a space marine, but be that bad at fighting, no wonder he failed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he should have been all over them, like crew members that joined in the yeah. fight. Yeah, <laughs> you know. But other than that, I thought I thought he was a nice character, and other than Grogal was a little bit disappointing. But other than that, I quite liked all the characters that were in this, no matter how brief they were. Yeah, yeah, uh, it, Grogor is the one that, that I think sticks out a little bit. And it would have been nice to see something a bit different with him. But yeah, by and large, I think this is a good read. Um, I, I'm going to, I've said this before, and it's only reinforced reading it now. I very much consider this with books two and three to be part of the same story. It's almost like they're a trilogy to me. Horus Rising's like the prequel. Um, I am starting to lean towards the way that you think with that. I I feel that if you if you look at it, yeah, it's like them three are the Istvan, the Istvan battle. That's where Horus Rising is is why it happened more than anything else. Yeah, yeah. You know, we see. A lot of the same characters crop up in this book. We we see those same events, and then basically we we more or less end book three and four at the same point chronologically in my head. Um, yeah, it, it's like Horus as 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 one honest fan. Finally, he's getting ready to move on, but the 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 message has reached Terra, and then Malkador's getting ready to, and Dawn are getting ready to respond. Like it. Feels like a nice end to a chapter there. Uh, I have to agree. What do you What do you think? Come on, for me, I think that is a new Mournival podcast uh, fan theory that we have a prequel and a trilogy that isn't the trilogy you think it's going to be. I, I struggle to find any reason why Lowe isn't right with that one. Being the devil's advocate, you just I I just love that theory. <laughs> Fair enough. So yeah, I think we all rated this book pretty pretty uh, high. Yeah, I. I rate it a lot higher on my second read through than the first time round. Um, second read through, yeah. second listen through, whatever way you want to listen. Whatever. I just love it. Do too. <laughs> well, uh, I think I have actually listened to this one twice. So, <laughs> yeah, it's only second second time, but on the read reread, I uh, I enjoyed it a lot more than first time round. Mm. Cool. So. Right, are we going to call it there, guys? Yeah, I yeah, think I so. Think was... Yeah. I'm quite excited by the next book, so let's go get reading. <laughs> <laughs> right, All right, so that's it. Yeah, yeah. listen, guys, bye. Thanks for listening to the More War podcast. If you would like to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, and subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes. If you would like to get in contact with us, you can always email us on podcast at themournable30k.com.